Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 257, episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Wednesday, October 6th. 2022, mm-hmm. uh, what were we working with today on the yeah. National Day? 10 6, big fella, National Coaches Day. Shout out all the coaches there, myself all included. Right. You, your father included, Jack. You ever coach before? I have not coached before, other than, you know, dabbling with life coaching. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. No. Thank you. <laughs> you helped me. Hey, I stopped, I stopped biting my nails after working with you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You said just put spicy p- spices on your fingers. And, you and that's my, them. that's actually my cure for most things, most maladies, <laughs> not just chewing your nails. Just put spices on your fingers. It did help my uh, insecurities as well. Uh, it's also right. National Mad Hatter Day. Shout out to, was that mercury poisoning? Is that why yeah. they were mad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> National Noodle Day, National Orange Wine Day. I see you. People with the skin contact. People love fucking orange wine these days. Skin on skin. Yeah. Turns National Plus Size Appreciation Day. National German American Day. Boom. Hey, there we go. Shout out to German Americans. Yeah, what Alex is that? Schmidt. Schmitty the Clan. You know, one of our finest. I think yeah. German American. Anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka Mountain, Mountain Dew. Mountain, Mountain Dew. I'm crazy like a fool. Because I drink Mountain Mountain Dew. <laughs> that is courtesy of Bruce Chili's. And it's Daddy Cool by Boney M. Boney M is a, is a group that I'm just gaining an appreciation for because via my kids, because they have a dope song about Rasputin. That's a lot of fun. And uh, I, I'm just, am I weird? Like, was I just weirdly sheltered from Boney M or are they I don't know. known? I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah. Anyways, Never I heard. got to watch a YouTube video of them performing Daddy Cool this morning. And okay. it is a lot of fun. Highly <laughs> recommend. Anyways, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Put a snake on me. Oh, to make fun of Chuck. Put a snake on me. Come and python me up. Put a snake on me. I can't get enough. Shout out to TVZ Burner. Because you know what? Shacktoberfest, we saw the logo of Shacktoberfest. Looked like it was requisitely spooky, but Shaq had to add a big snake on the logo for good measure, I guess, to make it scarier. But for us, it seemed a bit superfluous. But who are we to criticize Shaq Diesel's logo design? Shout out to TVZ Burner for that wonderful AKA. And inspired by... Yesterday's episode and my washed old Halloween decorations, I rushed out this morning before this recording and got a 12-foot witch at, oh, at a Home Depot wow. that I will Witching it up. be struggling, <laughs> attempting to put together <laughs> to for the next 30 days, probably until right up until after <laughs> Halloween. It, it comes in a box. at 11 p.m. Yeah, yeah. on Halloween night. It's going to be it's going to be a mess. But anyways, Miles, we are yeah. thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the funniest up and coming stand ups doing it. She's open for yep. Maria Bamford and TDZ favorite Dulce Sloan. You've yeah. seen her on TV and things like Barry. And as Gail in Single Drunk Female, it's Madison Shepard. Hi. <laughs> What's up? Hi, guys. Welcome back, Madison. It's been too long. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. glad I can come back. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about how the last time you were on, the episode was titled, Turns Out This Trump Guy Is An Asshole. <laughs> so yeah. I think we were being sarcastic, but it, it feels like it was early in our journey as a podcast and as a country. 100%. Yeah. I, w- I remember that episode because after, I think I said like weed culture was overrated or something, because all these mm-hmm. like weed heads started tweeting at me about how I was wrong. And I was like, it's just not for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. just being like, and you're proving it. Like, come on, don't cape for Look, I love weed too, but I'm not going to waste my energy being like, hey, hey, it's cool. Cool. 2018 was a different year. It was a yeah, time. priorities. Priorities shifted, hopefully, yeah. for those people. <laughs> a lot yeah. of other shit going on that you could maybe yeah. get your get outraged about. But what else is new with you? Oh, gosh, not much. You know, I'm just really excited. We're shooting se- uh, season two of Single Drunk Female right now. Yeah. Well, they are. Obviously, I'm back home in L.A. right now. So. <laughs> right. Um, guest star. So just, you know, I go when they want me and then I don't when they don't. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Okay. Okay. Where yeah. do you shoot that? We shoot that in Atlanta, actually, oh, okay. even though it's like set in Boston. So Ooh, Atlanta love... is like every city. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They, they shoot really, everything there. Yeah. They really make it uh, very, it's very malleable, that Atlanta. I mean, look, God bless the subsidies. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I know people who you, who work in the film industry that just moved to Atlanta straight mm-hmm. up, or at least I hear about them. I don't know. Yeah, them, but my uncle had like an apartment, or my uncle had he would just get an apartment there because production was taking him out there so much. Yeah. And then it would be funny he'd come back from Atlanta and like get his shit mixed up and be like, "Where's that one?" And I was like, "Wait, that's in Atlanta. Never mind. I can't yeah. eat there right now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I could see myself living there some of the time like i know a lot of people who have like condos there and stuff like Mm -hmm. it just depends on how often you're there like if you're shooting an hour-long tv show 
you're there like six to eight months or something, you know, it can be a very long time. And it's like, well, what's the point of not just being there for that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's something you like to do when you're in Atlanta? I try not to catch COVID. That's kind of my main (laughs) gig. Um, Yeah, I've heard of that. That's actually getting, uh, that was big for like a little while in 2020, I feel like, but people aren't talking about it as much. Oh, cool. Retro. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Throwback. No, when I'm in Atlanta, I just like, I mostly stay in my hotel. I do get up at the Laughing Skull like a little bit. Like I'll I'll always try to pop in there, Mm -hmm. um, whatever Ian at Bear is hosting at the time i will pretty much do any show he asked me to do but yeah i i get wings i order jr crickets uh hot wings yep you know lemon how do you get them okay what yep there you go and i go to busy bees i get that on uber eats it's not very (laughs) exciting you know well yeah when you're working it's not like you're like out there being like well i have a whole social scene out here rather than being like i'm here to work and you know do, do whatever I can in between. Well, because I, I know so many people who have lost their gig because they tested positive like days wow. before or hours before they were right. like slated to get on set. And I'm like, I can't afford it. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my yeah, God. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, that form of bag. Wait, so then in that like instance, do they have like a standby performer in case? Like in those times, like we'd be like, well, you know what happens. We're calling up the PA now. Depending on who it is, like if it's like a series regular or the lead of the movie or whatever, they will halt production. But short of it being like numbers one through three on the calls sheet, right? They just write you out and they just read around you. It's painful. Yeah, (laughs) you're just not in that episode or in (laughs) in that section of the movie or whatever you're shooting. I know somebody who's couldn't film their special because they were literally doing, I guess, like. They were about they were like a day out from like shooting it. And while they were there, like rehearsing or something, they got a positive result and their special was no longer taping. Wow. Yeah. That actually happened to my friend uh, Adele. mm. Yeah. I think she she actually had some issues with that. I'm not sure. You guys might have heard of her. The computer? She's a real up and comer. Yeah. Up and comer. Oh, the singer. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, Mm -hmm. we are going to tell our listeners a couple of the things that we're talking about today. We are going to talk about the uprisings in Iran, which aren't just about the morality police and what, you know, they've been going on for three weeks And they're both inspiring and the government response and crackdown has been horrifying. And, you know, we talk on here a lot about lack of America's lack of revolutionary imagination. And I feel like this is this is a good one to be paying attention to, especially because you you look on any American news site and they are like there's like one article every six days. And most of it's like it's bad. And we're not going to tell you about like class solidarity or anything that's occurring. Right. Yeah. The New Yorker, like it's a it's very much leaderless. And the New Yorker like did this profile of a Air America, which I'm pretty sure is like the CIA radio yeah. station uh, media. Outlet. Baby. Like yeah. a, somebody who works for Air America who they're like, this is who's really behind this thing. So, wow. you know, the, the hand of the invisible hand of the CIA is always it's very busy, always mm-hmm. working all of that. Plenty more. But first, Madison, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Okay, so 
I was looking. I was like, what do I mostly Google stuff for work. So it's like, you know, I write on a countdown show for Roku. And so it's like David Beckham has a show coming out. So it's like number of times David Beckham won a world world series. I don't know. Championship. (laughs) Yes, whatever he won. Okay, so the last like thing that I Googled where I was like, oh, that's interesting. A couple days ago, I Googled Hong Kong coffin and cage apartments which are these horrifying like dwellings in hong kong and they have them in other cities too where it's essentially like they you know imagine like you know like on a tour bus how they'll have like you know basically bunk beds that are like little capsules and like folks will have like you know their charger their headphone or whatever imagine living in something that size like 24-7 during a pandemic with a country that like super duper locks people down and you literally can't leave. It was like a crazy, like eye-opening oh my thing. God. But on the I'm flip side of that, pictures of this, it's scary. Like point of view pictures, actual point of view, not TikTok point of view, which just means everything. <laughs> but actual like pictures taken by people sitting in their coffin apartments and it's giving me a panic attack. And of course, like, you know, these are like, like truly people who cannot afford to pay for more space. Like this is literally using up most of their income to pay for these like literal coffins. But the flip side of that, which I found interesting, is there is luxury cage apartments, which are similar, but they are like, I'm sorry. So what, how is a, I mean, I get, but as a binary, I would rather be in a cage than a coffin. Sure. But immediately my mind doesn't go, of course, a luxury cage home. Like <laughs> right. what what is a luxury? I'm picturing uh I'm picturing where uh, where Hannibal Lecter is housed at the end of <laughs> at the end of Silence of the Lambs. He's in like that big loft space <gasps> with like classical music playing and lamb being served to him inside a cage. I'm guessing that's not what we're dealing with here. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the you know in the movie Fifth Element when they like have to go to the like yeah. this and go into the little bed. It looks uh-huh. like that. It looks like the airport hotel. It looks like, like a tanning inside. booth. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's but it's luxury so people but pay more for luxury. it. It's wild though too like that cuz this is all obviously because we have a housing crisis like yes. globally and like the options are like well obviously you've been priced out of the traditional home market. Might I offer you a fucking cage? Like, <laughs> what's with the fucking names here? Like, why are we even like this? Is I mean, look, shouts to them for not trying to fucking paint it any other way. They're like, motherfucker, this is a luxury cage, mm-hmm. right? And that's that because it has LED mood lighting. Yeah, cage? yeah. I mean, so, usually, usually the world of real estate comes up with euphemisms, but cage is pretty. They, I guess they were asleep at the wheel on that day, you know. They're just like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's a fucking cage, man. Stop stop asking me to come up with good spins to put on this shit. And I guess like in, I want to say, and forgive me, this was a few days ago, but I think in like Tokyo, they have a version of it that is actually mm-hmm. luxury. And it's like in places like Harajuku and stuff where like the rent is mad expensive, but even the cage apartment has been elevated to be the cost of a regular size apartment. Yeah. It's very crazy. A lot of, like, a lot of capsule hotels or capsule. See, yeah. that's, see, and that's the thing in Japan, calling capsule apartments. Cause yeah, it's like you're right. living in a fucking pill, yes. you know, the fuck, the same size as a pill, but yeah, uh, it, it is, 
it's just it it's wild that like we're constantly just figuring out like ways to just be like have less of a functioning life and like learning how to deal with that rather than like being like no 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 i mean like i i like the problem we're trying to solve here but god we really got to be moving the other way and being like we need to get people in regular ass houses yeah. I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before that's commonplace here, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're already seeing it with a lot of the, like, sort of shared apartment, like, we work oh type live, like, work cult spaces mm-hmm. or whatever. I know someone who stayed in one. They said it was fine, but they didn't stay there for more than, like, a couple weeks. So I'm right. not sure they got the full, like, feeling of being. And I, and I don't know, like, the way it's always marketed is, like, the ghouls who buy up all the housing are like, it sounds like young people really like these, like, like luxury prison setups. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, hey, the young kids go over there and that's in Gen Z block uh, that they right. have to go to. And it's like, wow. That was good. <laughs> Once these get to America, I can see real estate agents going to work and just being like, this cozy and snug as a bug dwelling oh my. is replete with amenities. And- Soho adjacent. <laughs> yeah. You know, in East Hollywood, they have this like apartment set up where it's a two or three bedroom apartment. And essentially they pair you with roommates, but they're calling it like just like shared living or mm. so they have like some weird euphemism for it. But I'm like, you're basically just like renting a room with three strangers you don't know. Yeah. It's like a boarding house. More. It's very strange. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's it has already arrived here. Mm-hmm. There are people who are just straight up now. There's an article. California startup offers affordable capsule pods in shared oh, living accommodation. Yeah. God. So they, they've gone with the capsule pod wording to, you know, make it more <laughs> attractive. Fancy. It's just weird how like we're truly like in these two paths where there's like traditional, you know, luxury for the wealthy and how like that keeps getting more fucking ridiculous. But now we're also like trying to like luxurify people like not having access either right you know where it's like you can have luxury as well in your place of little options and it's essentially like people with wealth like cosplaying to be poor it's nothing new you know what i mean they they do it in different ways but this is just like a fun new iteration of it that's like barf inducing (laughs) right what a time yeah, I mean, what do you do if someone like farts? Are there rules about that? Because the wall. What if you have company thin. or you want to? I don't know. Stand up, not be laying down. <laughs> See, that shows you. I don't have a very. Uh, I'm, I wasn't much of a Lothario back in the day. I was mostly always farting in most right. yeah, situations. And my first thing is, like, what about farts? What about farts? Are you? Is this pro fart or do I have to? Is there yeah, a fart capsule? I don't I think this in? is designed for sharing this space at all like i don't think that even crossed anyone's mind when they're doing this so i think what you're worried about is your own farts in this case is that fair to say miles <laughs> okay okay uh yeah, well, yeah. look let's cover that in our next session <laughs> <laughs> telling you man spices on your fingertips one thing cool. at a time yes yeah, spi- cool. look jack you told me spice some of the fingers to stop my farting it didn't <laughs> what is something you think is overrated madison i think cottage core is overrated Okay. Like cottage core is like basically, I mean, it's a style of dress, but it's also like an entire lifestyle. It's yeah. basically going back to like, you know, old school, little house on the prairie, simple living, living off the grid, you know, making your own bread, your own butter. Living off your trust fund. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Because wasn't there like one of those people who were there like, yo, like I felt there was a cottage core influencer where people were like, this person has a lot of money. Like, so right. 
they're not actually, I mean, like as they are living off the land, they are also have a massive financial safety net. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. There's a girl who I follow who's like, I live in this cottage in a mountain range. And it's like the mountain is owned by her family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that the one in Europe? No, she's in like oh. Washington. I mean, she's oh, okay. a sweet girl, but I'm like, girl, get get out of here. Yeah, I understand that. Like, my name some... is Cassandra Olympia, and uh, <laughs> this <laughs> Olympia <laughs> Mountain, yeah, Cascadia. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. But wait, what, what were we gonna say about it? I just, I just think it's weird. I think it, you know, I understand like wanting to live more simply. Look, my my family, my grandmother lived in a trailer in West Texas. I know about living simply and just having to like make your own food and like go get the water and like what ha- you know right. all of these kind of things but i think it's like it it i worry sometimes like is this a hop skip and a jump away from like being anti-feminist like trad wife like barefoot yeah. and pregnant in the house of with no electricity right. no nothing with no right rules now, it's mostly like a feminine aesthetic like mm-hmm. the cottage core we're not seeing like bro cottage core yet where it's like we're a cottage right. core couple and he's out there drinking his homemade mead and swinging an axe while I mean, the field. That's Portland. That's that's Portland in a lot <laughs> no, of Brooklyn, actually. actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually when there. You said man. their homemade mead. That is yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think any style that is based on that just completely co-ops like a version of history is probably I don't know. I feel like fashion is where we get to like maybe pull some elements from history but then combine them to make something new and you know yeah. interesting. But if it's just you know, if it's just like colonial Jamestown or, you know, people, people cosplaying, I feel like that that's a that's a waste of a fashion movement, personally. It's just it's elements of whimsy. It's not a yeah. fetishization I mean, of fashion or history. Looking back on even like rockabilly style, like right. when I was a teenager uh, in the early aughts, there was a lot of like rockabilly looks and we were really hearkening back to the 50s. But like as an adult, I'm like looking back and I'm like, oh, you mean where they like hosed down your grandmother? Where right. you're, <laughs> where yeah. my like yeah. dad was born in the colored section of the hospital? You mean right. that that 50s? My oh, association okay. with these outfits isn't the mo- the warmest of memories. Yes. It's usually them screaming in someone's face and a German shepherd like on a leash fucking like attacking up, children. Yeah, like that's what I but okay. That's what, it's funny though too like even with like the fash wave haircut you know, like when everybody was getting like the Hitler youth, mm-hmm. like like fascist hair. And it was like super fashionable at a time. And yeah. it took a few people with like some historical eyeballs to be like, this is like y'all are just doing like Hitler youth haircuts, just so you know. And then it became then like suddenly like every conservative is like, yes, I am fascist now. Thank you. I've like yeah. it's, it's not like right. it led to the real reckoning of like gender norms or something progressive. And I can't imagine that, you know, if I saw people dressed up. And, you know, just like when we see this shit on Airbnb, we're like, hey, stay in a slave cottage. Right. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, don't even offer the people the idea that they that they're interacting with such a sordid time in history. But look, cottages are fine. You know, get your gunny sack on. I guess. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, you can also not... get married at plantations and stuff like that's. Yeah. The, the, it's weird to me that the like in America, we don't treat 
plantation sites or sites of former plantations like they do Holocaust memorials like right. in Germany. Like it's not dissimilar. It's actually right. quite worse in a lot of ways. I mean, not, I don't actually need to wait into that, but it's horrible both. But we don't even acknowledge that like these atrocities happened here. Oh, yeah, it's of course. It's so weird. It's like it's like, man, remember like simpler times <laughs> shit like right. that's yeah. like the dog whistle conservatives talk about all the time like you know how when things were simpler easier times and it's like well sure for you yeah i'm also not saying that the hall i'm not trying to compare don't, the holocaust yeah. to yeah, slavery i, I just want to be clear about that i'm just yes. saying that our country has no acknowledgement yes, chattel slavery was fucking brutal and yes. but when we see the sites of those crimes we do our first as a country, the first instinct isn't to go, oh, my God, take, you know, take a moment to reflect here. Right. It's like, right. girl, go run by those fucking columns. I love this. This is where the fucking chariot would pull up. Yeah. They're like, take pictures for your Instagram here. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, look, that's just happening also at Hol Holocaust <laughs> memorials where people have no fucking <laughs> decency or concept of like decorum where people are like planking on top of. Oh, like, my you God. Know, wild. Yeah. Didn't Ryan Reynolds, America's get most likable man, get married in on a plantation? Yeah, to his wife, Blake Lively. Right. He's Canadian, man. See, he's trouble. I knew it. Yeah. I mean, Canadians weren't that innocent <laughs> during that time either. No, no. I mean, both, let's be clear about that. Both colonizing freaks out here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is something you think is underrated? Something. <laughs> this is more reflective of what I'm going through as a as a person, but... Something I think is underrated is not posting on the internet. Like, we don't need to see, we don't, let me put it on, I don't, let me say I. Mm -hmm. I don't need to share my hot takes, feelings, thoughts, emotions about every subject that comes on the internet. I mean, I went so far, like, I'm just, I've had just like a moment where I was like, let me shut up some. Also, the internet is so bad for me. Like, I deleted right. my Twitter. I deleted my Facebook. I only have IG, and I sometimes scroll TikTok. But it's like, I don't need to, like, I'm only using it for promo now. And so I just think, right. like, shutting the fuck up is just incredibly overrated in general in society today. Yeah. Giving yeah. yourself the ability to be like, I don't, I, I get that right now. Like, we're so especially on social media it's like it's we're just in like that fucking take economy it's like mm -hmm. i gotta participate in there with my take and i i'm, I'm the same way like i get overwhelmed pretty quickly mm -hmm. go, like going on social media and shit like that where i've definitely had to like throttle shit back or i can do it in like waves but yeah it is it, it i slowly did lose the earth like i used to have a like a compulsion to want to post something yeah. And over time, I think that's diminished, whether that's through like just becoming older and maybe more like secure in who I am. And I'm like less having to prove myself through like my wit on the Internet. Or maybe it's the anxiety I get from having to interact or see a bunch of fucked up shit, too. It's mm -hmm. who knows. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know what I find helps is um, just podcast for two hours a day. <laughs> and then you, you get it all out that way. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, since we started doing the show, I, I, I post less and less. And a lot of the times, I, like, a lot of stuff I would share from my personal life. I talk so much about my life on the podcast. Like, at a certain point, I'm like, I've already given up so much of my, like, I've, intimate stories and shit. Yeah. I don't have anything for fucking Twitter after that. Right, yeah. right. And you here, at least you can explain. Oh, what? 
Oh yeah, subscribe. That's a. I great was going to say you have to subscribe to the Patreon to get the intimate details of my. Yeah, life. obviously, yeah, obviously. Yeah. The, uh, our yeah, life the, coaching sessions. The black market uh, uh, Patreon that we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Zeit gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it, you know, like a literal POS? Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers inline and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com, and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, how to bustling retail business and i need you know maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street take credit card payments whatever and i know shopify is easy to use half the time i buy something online i'm like oh yep they're using shopify and if you need to learn more check out their website it's super easy to navigate whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or again looking for hardware to make sales easier shopify.com has all of that just go there check it out so sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash tdz all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, 
start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And usually we don't talk a lot about a lot of international news because the this show is about the American zeitgeist and the American zeitgeist is very difficult to puncture, aka ignorant. The American zeitgeist doesn't pay a ton of attention to news around the world, but I think the uprisings in Iran are incredibly worthy of our attention for for a number of reasons and yeah so i mean i we we've talked about it in passing but just to kind of yeah because there's so i mean i think there's a couple versions that you could interact with the story on one is you might just see rampant violence in iran like with the government attacking protesters or you see people cutting their women cutting their hair in protest and you might say oh wow people are angry huh and then yeah. you might just keep scrolling past and that's the most that you'll ingest from that. And, you know, in Iran is a place where there have been revolution or like these kinds of mass uprisings before. So people might get into the rhythm of, oh, well, they're having an uprising. I'm, you know, I'll, I can just now put that to the back of my mind. But just I think it's important to understand just like the totality of what's happening right now, because it obviously the 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 protest began as a response to the death of 22 year old uh, Zina Masa Amini, who you know died at the hands of Iran's mor- uh, morality police, and they insisted that this was they had nothing to do with it. She wasn't beaten to death, you know, and that's that's despite witnesses saying they saw the the complete contrary occurring. Yeah, and just for some context, right? It's important to know the sequence of leadership in Iran. At present, the country is ruled by a theocratic government. That came to power after the U.S., the last U.S.-backed Shah was ousted in the 1979 revolution. The reason the Shah was backed by the United States is because of Western greed. So prior to the Shah being installed, Iran was being led by this prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh, who was very popular. Like, fuck, people were like, yes, we, we support this guy. Because he had policies like, you know, trying to uplift people and because of the massive amounts of oil that Iran has in their land, they were also like, you know, what? we need to actually nationalize our oil industry. So we are the ones who are reaping the benefits of this oil being pumped rather than the Brits who are here under this like convoluted agreement, which we're not getting a fair share out of the resources that are coming out of our own lands. Right. And so when he decided to nationalize the industry. The British, you know, came to the CIA and they're like, yo, we got to fucking this is a problem. Like if, yeah. if we have no access to this, this is lucrative. This is not this is not the order of things that we want. So he was ousted in a CIA backed coup in 1953, led by uh, Kermit Roosevelt, who I believe is the grandson of Teddy Roosevelt or nephew. Yeah. <laughs> so then the Shah was installed and he welcomed foreign meddling in the oil industry, as well as running a repressive government that basically struck down dissent and exploited labor. So all of this was happening. And then, you know, when the 79 revolution comes, you know, these religious leaders are promising a new vision of Iran, one where like workers, like worker centric, like we understand, like this isn't like the Shah exploiting people, like we want to level things up. But a lot of those things didn't come to pass, come to pass. So again, like I said, this isn't the first time that 
like this has happened in, in, you know, even in this century, right? Recently, the most notable uprisings have been in 2019 in response to gas prices, which is more of a worker-led uprising. Uh, and in 2009, during the Green Movement, that was more of a middle-class, upper-middle-class educated people's movement. But this time, things feel different, not just to observers, but to the people in Iran. They began spontaneously, mostly in Iranian Kurdistan, but then quickly to other cities. And typically the protests around wearing like a head covering has been in places like northern Tehran or other metropolitan areas and was like a middle class, like a middle class movement or was represented by more middle class people. And, and it's important to note that class, the, the class representation here amongst many other dimensions of this uprising, because Amini is from this place called Sakez, which is a very working class area where Kurds are already facing an uphill battle as like an ethnic minority. So what we're seeing now is going beyond like this initial killing. And obviously the, the increased violence is only motivating people more. But now we're seeing that it's a very intersectional movement involving numerous classes, ethnicities, and even religious beliefs. Yeah. And that's like a really, that's a huge aspect of it that I don't every, like anything I see outside of Algeria, Al Jazeera, or like a very, like a, like a socialist, like world news outlet, you're not going to hear about like these other dimensions that are going on. Obviously, every dimension is just as important, but it's it, it seems like Western media sort of picks and chooses what to focus on. Yeah, it it, yeah. Just, it feels very easy for them to just other these people rather than focus on like there there a lot of the protesters who are so one of the notable things is it's really led by women in the streets just protesting by showing their hair, like not wearing the thing that the government wants them to wear and just being free and dancing. And but it's leaderless. And I, th I think that is a, that is one way the U.S. government is like try, or the U.S. mainstream media is just like, you know, they're trying to impose leadership on it. The government is trying to attack it by like taking and kidnapping and in some cases reportedly like murdering these like really bright some of the brightest students in Iran who are involved in the protest because it is like there, there's a lot of young people involved in the movement. And these are, you know, leaders in like world leaders of tomorrow and in America of tomorrow who are being, you know, killed. And that's also not something that is getting covered in the mainstream. It's just, it seems very easy for the mainstream media in the West to just other them. And the story sort of fades into the background as trouble in other country, you know? Yeah. I think just like to your point, right? Like the U.S. version is like trouble in Iran. Again, people aren't happy because their government's bad. And right. then it's like, that's the end of it. And I think... What's really fucked up, too, is like the people in the government who like love the like sanctions on Iran might think that their plan is coming together, that, you know, depriving the everyday Iranian of like resources, medicine, food will get them to destabilize their current government, which is like the thinking, right? It's like, hey, man, if it gets bad enough, they're going to do something about it and we can, you know, we can play dirty like that. But the, the fucked up part of that is, too. Because of that, it allows like the the current government to just sort of paint this as sometimes inauthentic to say, yeah. like, you see, this is because of Western meddling. This is because of this or that when it truly is just so widespread that they're actually at a point now where they really aren't sure what to do, because typically this the, the, the ebb and flow would be, well, you come out, 
you know, be a super violent, quell the fucking uprising and then move on. But what we're seeing, I think, has a much different texture to it. And from many other people who consistently write about this and report on it, they're like, this has a much different feeling to it because of how, like, you know, widespread uh, the anger is. And it's not just, you know, relegated to like one segment of the society. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to me. Like, all I'm seeing, so all I see on like my ads on YouTube are promotions, I guess, or messages like commercials from women in Israel being like, we support Iranian women. And like, which is like lovely, but I don't understand why I'm seeing it here because whatever, but that's neither here nor there. But also, all I see is it's just like repost from like white women. So like, I think. I think like for my in my algorithm, my my timeline, how it's being given to me is literally that it's just like a women's right issue, a a women's rights issue, which in this country is there like, oh, poo poo. You know what I mean? Like, like, remember when you guys used to march in the streets a couple of years ago? Oh, well, yeah, like it's done. Like your rights don't matter. We're still actively taking them. So I think that it's getting painted with this, like, I guess, like a pink brush where they're just like, oh, this is women's stuff. And yeah, you know, like they they aren't taking it as seriously because it's mostly women who are being outspoken. And then also that's all that's being fed to me like as just like an average uh, well i guess i'm not really that average american woman but like <laughs> just right. like a regular person on social media yeah, the, on social the algorithm media. has deemed a regular american media yes. consumer yeah. right they really have painting it with a pink brush is an interesting way to think of it as like a divide and conquer sort of this is a this issue that you mm-hmm. only need to care about if you like wear pink for breast breast cancer awareness month or right. you know like the Like the things that when we talk about the lack of a revolutionary imagination in the United States, like the things that we're seeing here that I feel like should inform how we think about, you know, organizing and movements in the United States is the like Miles said, the intersectionality, the cooperation, like labor is now threatening to strike around oil, which Mm -hmm. is something that obviously the, you know, the government can't ignore and what what is being painted and portrayed in a lot of cases is this like social justice movement is actually spreading and there's cooperation between labor and you know the kurds and women women a- across classes and but but yeah at getting labor involved you can't like the government can't kidnap their way out of people not working to right. like make a functioning they'll try mm-hmm. It seems right. like they'll try to. And right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it's there. like, again, like there are just so many things simmering, you know, because even between the 2009 where, you know, there was another activist who was killed and there was a huge outpouring of like anger over that, you know, people have continued to die protesting or be taken away and disappeared and shit like that. So they're like this was it's just been constantly simmering. And now it's turning into a revolution. There was an interesting interview in Jacobin with this activist organizer in Iran and just talking about how the demands like they're evolving. Like it started about like being about like liberty and body autonomy. And now we're talking like you have people now like fucking fighting the Islamic Republican Guard Corps, uh, like in some cases killing them. And they're now saying things like, no, down with this like theocracy, like down with 
Like we want, we want to now, we want to move into something new. And it's again, like the, the government's crack, the crackdown on this has just been to be just to turn up the volume on the violence. And like uh, behind all that too, like when you look at just sort of the disparity between the, the haves and have nots, there's plenty of normal working people who are saying like, I'm, I fucking lost family in the COVID, like during COVID because of the lack of medical resources that were there due to sanctions or just the greed of the regime, whatever. There are many things that are that are adding up to our anger. And like, while the, we have these people in like the ruling class are able to like live lives that are more akin to like, you know, huge cities in Western Europe, like sending their mm -hmm. kids abroad to be educated and things like that. And it's all just becoming a lot. And I just want to read this quote from um, this activist. She, I think, just gave her first name, which is Parande. And she said this, um, the Iranian public is intelligent. We know when we are being taken advantage of. This is not an uprising, but a revolution. They are killing Basijis, which are members of one of the like sort of elements of the Islamic Republican Guard. They are standing in the face of the army and saying death to the dictator, death to Khomeini, death to the Islamic Republic. They're tearing down and burning down, uh, burning images of Imam Khomeini, uh, Rahbar and Qasem Soleimani, who was the guy, uh, the the Quds Division Islamic Republican Guard, like sort of leader that was killed in a drone strike in 2020. Women are shaving their heads, removing their veils, shouting in the faces of the Revolutionary Guards and morality police. They're standing in front of tanks, fire hoses, machine guns and tear gas. We have only rocks and our fists to fight with. We are one of the bravest groups of people on the planet. I am really convinced of it. I would say for now, the goal of the average protester would be a revolution resulting in a transition to democracy. But of course, it is subject to change as these protests carry on, which I think they will. Fuck yeah. All I got to say is like, hell yeah, more of that. Yeah, Run like you are, you are the brave. Like, honestly, yeah. when to look like she goes on this interview to say it's a really haunting like line. I just want to. Uh, she said, we've been encouraged for 43 years to look into the barrel of a gun and see paradise and to die with smiles on our faces. Why are mm. they surprised now that my generation is fearless? We were born prepared for fighting and have no qualms about death. It's Snaps. fucking, it's haunting too, you know, because like underneath that bravery, which is, I'm taken aback by that to hear someone say, I have no option but to fight for something better than what I have now. It's like there are these underpinnings, too, of just like how Western imperialism has contributed to this situation decades mm -hmm. ago. And these people have had to constantly fight to the point that, like, again, in her words, death is not something they fear. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it, it's all like it's this all encompassing sort of uprising. And again, it, it makes sense why. You go to like ABC News or NBC News and the things are just about, like you know, there's tensions or that, you know, this is this is what the supreme leader is now saying in response to things rather than trying to inform people that there's all of these things that have contributed. That's the thing. I think most of the time is we we do news seekers the disservice of never explaining how we get to a point. It's just mm -hmm. like and that's happening in a right. vacuum. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Back to you, Aaron Judge. Just man, motherfucker hit 62 home runs, huh? Rather than, mm. hey, why don't you go? I mean, look, there's plenty of plenty of forks in the road you could talk about. But again, you have the perfect opportunity to talk about how the CIA backed coup sort of began this countdown for a country that, again, at the time was just trying to say we have natural resources that the West is trying to yeah. exploit. How about you give us our fair share rather than it's like 70, 30 split that we're, we're being offered. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was like, nah, fuck it. 
we're throwing you out. The right yeah. to use their own natural resources is the and the CIA was like, no, we can't allow that, and killed people to make it so that they couldn't allow that, so that so that they could get companies basically a better deal and ownership of of those natural uh, natural resources. Yeah, America, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I when I hear stories like this, I'm just like, what will it take? in our country to have that sort of like revolutionary action. Like, I'm just like, what is it going to take for us to get to that point? Cause I mean, we're obviously not in a, the exact situation of, you know, the people in Iran, but no. like, we're not, not like we're close, you know? And I'm just like, when are we going to wake up and understand that? Like we, as the people have more power collectively to like act and, and make change happen, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably a part of the reason why it's being undercovered and like mm -hmm. not put into the perspective, like thinking of it as women fighting for bodily autonomy can form the foundation of a revolution for social justice that like intersects with, you know, a minority group that has been persecuted Mm -hmm. traditionally, like the Kurds, Mm -hmm. that includes labor and people just wanting, you know, to be able to feed their families. If you treat it as a recipe for, you know, social change and, you know, relevant, it compared it to what, you know, different movements that are happening in the U.S. and like re- a way to rethink how those movements could could work together. But instead, it, it really seems like they're trying to find ways to siphon that energy off. Well, and we, I think it's our own egos as Americans that keeps us from doing it, right? Because right. we are, though, I'd say the biggest obstacle is American people owning, not necessarily owning, acknowledging the fact that they are they have been exploited at some level and things are bad. Yeah. Too many yeah. people are like, I ain't getting exploited. The fuck you talking about? I'm not exploited. Yeah. I, I got a choice. job. I, got, I can do this. I'm, I'm not exploited. I'm not oppressed. And the difference, this is another really interesting quote from this woman in this interview. She talks about what she, the similarities that she sees between Latin America and the, and the Middle East mm-hmm. in terms of their ability. Right. Because we're looking at like Luis Arce in Bolivia and people like that, like coming up and you're like whoa yeah there people like are people are in their bag and they get what the stakes are they get what the stakes are she said i find that latin america and the middle east have are similar in that we both have been exploited are revolutionary as people and have large gaps between the rich and peasant classes and are religiously devout when thinking about the future of iran i often look to latin america for hope and inspiration and there is a few elements there that i think aren't quite as vivid to American people as they are to people in the Middle East or Latin America, right? right. Because we've, we're convincing ourselves, I think a lot of energy spent on soothing pe- people who are currently being exploited into believing they are not. Oh, I mean, America's entire marketing plan from Jump has been, you're the greatest, you're the freest, you're the best. We fought to get away from the British and now everything is fine. And yeah. like, we beat up the know, Nazis just to right. become them. I mean, right. Exactly. I mean, also, uh, you know, not to put it all on the people, but like our government goes out of its motherfucking way to quell any and all like revolutionary groups for good and for bad. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the CIA was all in the January 6th, like group chats and like Facebook groups, like heavily involved, getting involved, trying to like stop January 6th from happening or understanding what was happening, as well as like how they treated like the Black Panthers and 
Hell, I mean, Aretha Franklin apparently had like a 40-year surveillance file mm-hmm. from the government because she just wanted black people to be liberated. Like, yeah, we have such a powerful machine that's like keeping us in place and like not able to rise to that. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting when that. No well, and I works. think that's <laughs> and I think this is what's happening. I think we're seeing this breakdown happen between the old ways of trying to convince people that everything's okay or the old ways of stopping an uprising or like they're just not working in the same way. Mm. You know, like yeah. for, for because like even in a, like I just think of in like the US specifically this like r- revival of the labor movement precisely comes because the they've not they can they can spin all this propaganda they want but at a certain point you're not at that job with the person who is looking at a fucked up situation and say i fucking don't want this at all yeah and there's no amount of you know propaganda or or facebook posts or whatever that can change what your lived experience is and i think that's the hard part is they can't the only way to stop that is to actually meet people where they're at and meet their needs Mm. yeah so if that's not going to happen you're going to increasingly you know have a group of people who are and this is where it gets dangerous looking for answers and solutions to what they're like the the cause of their lack as a human being Mm. and that's where bad faith actors come in and you know fascists are like what'd you say you need it oh let me tell you who can solve this and who the Mm. bad guy is uh and that's what Currently, I feel like that's what where the knife's edge we're on is what is the the majority of people, what version of getting in it back in touch with their power and their ability to advocate for better for themselves, which perspective are they going to go for? The one that says we have to treat certain people worse because it's a zero sum game, or the version that, that is we're all people and we can fucking work together because there is enough. It's just the there only there's only the illusion that there isn't enough because we have too many people hoarding too much of the wealth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's and that's really what that's that's the fork in the road we're at right now. And you see people splitting off. There's people who definitely are picking one over the other. But the critical mass of where that ends up, I think, is really, you know, determinative of where we end up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think we do underestimate how much the CIA and the government or just the, you know, our horniness for the market as a nation just completely drench and every piece of information that we get mm-hmm. like that. It's unless it's a zine or, you know, a a socialist, you know, outlet, which are so few and so far between, like just every part of the information economy is pushing in this one direction. And so, like, when it comes to, like, our, I I think we said earlier, like, you know, our ego as Americans to be like, you know, not no Americans want to think of themselves as peasants, but they're also, like, not given the tools to really do that if if they're not going to, like, get a deep college education or, you know, something like that. Like, it's... The, the mainstream media is is really all pushing in the same direction as, you know, what, what the market and what whatever yeah. is good and for it, the upward arrow. And I don't want to say and I, I know we talk about like we, the, the, the perceived lack of imagination for revolution. People do have it. I don't mean to say that no one understands in this country what the stakes are and is not willing to fight for yeah, it. 
For it's sure. just that we have been systematically fed like we exist in the most potent propaganda atmosphere on earth. Ooh. And yep. that's basically led to a, the, the amounts of confusion that, again, benefit the status quo. And I think that's why I think the, the parts that they're, you know, the powers that be aren't really understanding when they get confused. And it's like, whoa, whoa, why are we getting all this pushback on this other stuff? It's because you don't actually live in the same fucking world as the majority of people do. And it's yeah. that disconnect that, Again, I think will probably potentially be the end for people who overreach to exploit people or to not create more equitable terms for people because they think that most people are just sitting idly by satisfied with their lot in life when many are not. Many are asking questions. Many are trying to figure out what to do. And in many instances, we're starting to see people organize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the one thing that this woman Parande in this uh, interview said, uh, she's like, to Americans, do not call your senators or Congress people and read some <laughs> script about this. Uh, <laughs> that is the last fucking thing we need. I've seen that on social media, and it is the absolute. We do not need the yeah. help of Congress. Yeah. <laughs> It's so fun. Yeah. I'm glad that somebody is understanding that, like, <laughs> us calling our oppressors to be like, well, we have a complaint about this isn't yeah. going to help people abroad or here. Yeah, <laughs> they're, it's they're so good. Upholding yeah. that status quo to keep us oppressed. My yeah. God, what a brilliant thing to say. Yes. This woman is dope. Whoever she is, like, shouts to her. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we'll link off to this uh, interview she had in Jacobin because yeah. it's really amazing. And I, I just, I'll, 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 I will read this last part because it's really just a good the last question that was just asked was you know what is your hope uh for iran she said my hope for iran is simple i want us to finally have a say in our own government we are we were a monarchy from day one and faced invasions from multiple empires the west found oil on our land financed a new monarchy and overthrew our elected prime minister in a british and american coup d'etat we started a revolution that was hijacked to prevent the spread of communism and have now been stuck for 50 years mm. It is time we have a say in our livelihood without the interference of foreign powers. Whatever the Iranian masses choose, I will expect I will accept. As I said before, the fight of leftists will be the same. We will still advocate for the working class, labor rights and so on. We deserve to be prosperous and independent. Yeah. I mean, the fact that all the groups recognize that they are fighting for human rights and the same bodily autonomy and, you know, being impressed by the same force like that, that is something that whenever there's a movement in the U.S. quickly gets that that movement gets othered, you know, the U.S. Mm -hmm. the U.S. version of this would have been have a referendum, maybe lighten the morality police laws and then address a, one dimension of what people are asking of, about for change and then just kind of keep it moving again. And treat it as an extremist Kurdish movement. Is, and, which is something that's happening or a yeah. Western influenced movement. Yeah, yeah. To admit, just other the people as quickly as possible. And, and and then obviously, like, you know, some sort of propaganda use of reports of violence to make people feel unsafe. And, yeah. And also, I mean, like, uh, we'll have to mention that there is just like in the <laughs> who'd have thought just like in the U.S., this happens all the time with, you know, <laughs> dirty regimes. They like to have you know, plants in the protest causing damage to make the move to try and discredit the movement. Sa same thing is happening, except these cops are so sloppy. They're like on camera fucking up mosques and shit. And right. it's just like, dude, you're on camera. And then another thing I was really interesting is one of the like sort of local law enforcement people in a municipality was saying that like, 
the average age of people that they've detained is around 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. That's in one part. Like, so this isn't like, this is a, this is a mass movement. And yeah, I just, uh, again, can't, I <laughs> can't tell how much like I'm equal parts amazed, inspired, frightened by the bravery of these people. But that's, that's the situation that these people have found themselves in. And yeah. I think to not, you know, for our, for the version that American people are getting when honestly, like to your point, Madison, like we have a lot in com, we have more in common with oppressed people around the world than we do with the fucking one percenters in this country, mm -hmm. you know, to then feed people this like disingenuous summation of things, which is like, yeah, man, the Rouhani's bad, huh? All right. <laughs> killing people. Let's keep it there. Don't talk about anything else. Don't give people any more texture to it. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And just briefly, we wanted to talk about, so Walmart built a creepy virtual reality toy store in the metaverse and it features some of the best selling toys it's an interactive world right yeah We're yeah web 3 man it's in roblox marketed to gen z and children and yeah it's called walmart's universe of play it allows kids to play games that feature some of the best selling toys this year all while a magical blimp drops virtual toys on you from the sky Everything about the metaverse just makes me feel like I'm in hell. It's the parallels of like we just talked about this revolution, mass uprising happening in, in the US. Like, hey kids, put on these fucking reality changing goggles and right. live in this fucking space for a little bit, huh? Yeah. Where you get little treats. It's specifically designed to be like a little Skinner box with a little treat trigger that drops little treats on you every regularly, not regularly, actually randomly so that you feel like you are you can change the outcome is, is actually how yeah, they engineer yeah. it. But it's blatantly a commercial targeting kids by enveloping them in a new immersive reality. Also, this relates to the earlier conversation about the casket apartments and cage apartments because you yeah. know this is that that's the next step in in the whole idea yeah. of oh don't like what your eyes see change what your eyes see with this product yeah why would to, you need a whole entire living space where you could just go in here and and i hate it so much i yeah. mean i was like as a poor kid i grew up very poor in the 90s and um the commercials during children's programming were so uh, gross and toxic and like, eat this sugar, buy this toy, your old one sucks, get this bike, get this outfit, you need this, yeah. push, 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 like so much crazy advertising. And I think that to the point, like there are some laws that have changed around how you can advertise to children because there were none. So many. And now I'm just like, this is the loophole to those laws protecting That's exactly right. kids. That's and I'm exactly just like, right. oh. It's yeah. so horrifying. Well, there's no way they could own a blimp, Your Honor. Yeah. Kids don't watch TV anymore. They're all cord cutters. And so in addition to like YouTube ads, they're trying to find new ways to reach kids. And this is what they've come up with. And people are pointing out that it's illegal. Like the like even the terms of service for these various VR products. Like, say that you can't go in there if you're under 13. Oculus is for 13 plus. Sony's VR headset is for 12 and above. You know, HTC says that children should not be allowed to use its VR headset, HTC Vive, and or Vive. I actually don't know that. But Listen, that didn't stop us from going in the AOL chat rooms. I mean, yeah. whatever exactly. they say. The I was out here saying I was are. 26. Well, right. but it's very, it's very clear <laughs> because Walmart via Walmart's little toy land is has a bunch of stuff from Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is oh something my that my four year old has already outgrown. Like that. That's pa Paw Patrol is also just like cop propaganda, right? Oh, yeah, like, it's, yeah, like the it's war. propaganda. Yeah, 
it's yeah. uh, also for very young kids. It's like the, I think, you know, everybody goes through different things at different times, but like in, in our household, like the birthday parties that we would go to for like, it was like more three and four year old birthday parties were Paw Patrol and then the kids move on to other stuff. What's the Minecraft. other one? PJ. What's the PJ? What's it? What's that one called? PJ Masks. Yeah. PJ Masks. Yeah. That's what my niece and nephew's fucking with. Yeah. My my youngest is really into PJ Masks, even though he can't watch an entire episode because he finds it too scary. But he <laughs> like, like he has PJ all the Masks? costumes. It's these three kids who turn into superheroes at night in their PJs, their pajamas, and fight fight crime at night, which. I think it resonates with my four-year-old because he is does not sleep. He he has whatever that gene is that only that requires, nocturnal. Yeah. Oh, he like is. he's like I need two point seven oh. hours of sleep. Yeah, and he I'm doesn't recharged. need sleep. Like I'm I'm like sitting there with him, like just watching him like stare back at me, just be like. Yeah, and your hope? Oh, he's watching you doze off. Like yeah, the yeah. roles are reversed. You're like, yeah. oh, I could watch him go to sleep, but meanwhile, you're like. Yeah. Like, look at my dad. His, his older brother like falls asleep hours before him. It's crazy. <laughs> but anyways, they they're bla- like you can't tell me that you are advertising Paw Patrol characters to children over the age of twelve. Like that's it's just mm. not happening. And even so, yeah. that's too young. But well, the and whole also, thing like, is just so dark. VR on a dude. I've I almost fucking walked through a like a plate glass sliding door with a VR headset once. Yeah, like, and that's me as a fucking well, you know, high out of his mind, thirty sure. something year old. Let's, but let's tell the truth, that's <laughs> like being a small child. And if I can't have my shit together like that, I can't imagine like a six year old. Like they're gonna know the boundaries outside of the headset, and like if they're in some fake ass toy store, they're gonna be like, "Yay, over here! Run over here into the fucking stove or some shit." I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see like a crime like a big crime be committed because a kid was like oh i'm blaming it on vr because remember when like those girls murdered or attacked another girl and like blamed it on slender man which was just like stories they were reading on the internet like it's only a matter of time before something like this is going to cause a child to really not understand how reality works and the internet is the internet is already like social media is already a huge danger for children. The, like children right. should yes. not be using social Make media. That more it's vivid terrible. For them? And this is yeah. like more immersive social media. It's basically mm-hmm. what this creates. So it's very dark. Don't put that headset on. Don't put the headset on, kids. Yeah. Just Although I kind of want an Oculus. I'm not gonna lie. I'm oh, like, I'm not. Oh, I want that shit too. Yeah, I don't want it. Uh, look, I think the best part about that stuff is like it's given me a new way to watch TV because I remember like there's like a theater mode and you can be like, whoa, Whoa. I'm watching this (laughs) fucking big movie. But yeah, I mean, I love I love gadgets and shit. I just got into Animal Crossing in the pandemic. So that's about as far as I've gotten. Yeah. And I played um, another game called like Middle Little Miss Misfortune or something. But like, you know, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to handle an Oculus. I can't I can't survive Mario Kart. I suck at it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do it with a headset distracted. on right <laughs> so yeah anyways well madison such a pleasure having you uh where can people find you follow you all that good stuff so even though i don't like social media but still you know follow your girl because the people who hire me care about yeah. my social media numbers exactly you can follow me on instagram at madison underscore shepherd s-h-e-p-a-r-d or on tiktok 
I believe it's the same at Madison underscore Shepherd. Amazing. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media or media in general that you've been enjoying? So there's this kid on TikTok and Instagram called Sean McManus. He is a cast member of Beetlejuice on Broadway. And he, I don't know if you guys remember a couple months ago, there was a a church in Texas who did an unauthorized version of Hamilton, where it was basically like, and in summation, Hamilton should be about Jesus. And if you're like LGBTQ, like you are basically addicted to drugs. It's the same. It was right. very weird. Anyways, it got the shit suit out of them. But so this kid, Sean McManus, does Patti Lapone impressions. Patti Lapone is a famous Broadway actress who is like a three-time Tony winner, I believe. Just an incredible talent. If you don't know, like look her up. Anyways, he does this crazy impression where he does like Patti Lapone, like performing selections from the unauthorized Hamilton and I don't know why it as the a former theater kid it yeah. tickles me to no end it is That's hilarious me. it's flat <laughs> it's like so camp and silly and literally I think about it like maybe once a week oh shit <laughs> I dropped the link in the chat all right you'll definitely see that in the footnotes yeah yeah, yeah. it's a fun one Awesome. Miles, where can people find you with the tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, man. Find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Miles of Gray. If you like basketball, check us out on Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties, our NBA podcast. The season yeah. is it's, it's quickly It's the best part of the season where anything can be true, where yes. a, play, a single good where preseason a performance, a, a single good preseason play by a player, and I'm like, what... Oh my goodness! Yes, or maybe, or maybe a player Michael missed Jordan. less shots than normal. Yeah, and you're like, oh, we're going, we're there, oh, man. He's gonna be a problem. He's gonna be a problem. <laughs> and if <laughs> yeah, just wait. Despite what the stats say in history, um, and if you like 90 Day Fiance, check myself and Sophia Alexander out on our other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Smoking loud and getting loud about trash reality TV. Uh, let's see some tweets that I like. First one is from uh, Corey at cool math game underscore uh, tweeted random guy. It's not a big deal, man. I just don't think it matters. Me pulling out a gun. The two main characters in a show called Veggie Tales are fruits. And that doesn't matter to you. Waving gun around. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, which yeah think about that this one was another one from at kona slater tweeted saying the body of christ each time i give my dog a cracker Uh, (laughs) and then dan toomey at dh toomey tweeted levels of male friendship just met seems like a cool guy hung out twice i got a buddy who go out on weekends (laughs) or uh, (laughs) uh go out on weekends i got a buddy who literally best friends I got a buddy who known each other for life. I got this buddy who. <laughs> That's it. So true. Those are the levels. It's, yeah. It seems like, it seems like a nice guy. And I got this buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a cool guy. Yeah. yeah he seems cool. Yeah. He seems like a cool guy. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien liking things like Kristen Stockdahl tweeted a screen cap of a news headline, Kim taunts West by launching test missile over Japan. And she tweeted an interesting development in the Kim Kanye saga, which <laughs> it, it was a story about Kim North taunts Korea. <laughs> yep. Taunts and West. And they just fired some missiles back in the sea yeah. too. 
So yeah. this shit is... Laugh, yeah. cry, coffee tweeted me. Any Costco requests? Husband who is out of deodorant, toothpaste, and work snacks. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Depths of Wikipedia, Depths of Wiki tweeted, uh, love how the kayak Wikipedia article has a section that's just roasting this child. And apparently the, the, picture, <laughs> the picture for kayaking is a child. And the caption is, Child using oversized equipment. The kayak is floating too high. It is too wide for his hips and shoulders. And it is so deep that his elbows hit the deck. His paddle is also too long. It is impossible for him to paddle efficiently and he will tire quickly. His, his PFD is also large enough to slip off over his head while fastened. <laughs> so it's just wow. somebody just got mad when they saw this picture and just roasted this motherfucker. Who is hey, but that's, that's what maybe you give 13 a fuck, years bro. old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. But Try that harder. personal quotation device will can wait too backy though, my man. Yeah. Anyways, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think people might enjoy? Oh, man. So I posted that video of the DJ three-piece trio that was at the wedding I was at over the weekend. Who they, The dude was playing sax and another dude on trombone just killing it. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, yo, what's the track? Some people thought it was Too Many Zoos, uh, which I, I know what you mean because they, they would get down in the train stations in New York with their big berry saxes. I think they went to the new school. They're jazz guys. Uh, but this actually is from this old track called Calabria by Rune. It's like an old house track. That's where that sax sample, I believe, is originally from. So listen to that. Go back to the year of my high school graduation and LeBron James's as well. And just float away to Calabria by Rune. Amazing. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever favorite your favorite shows are wherever apple podcast yeah. or wherever you listen to your favorite shows Damn. oh no the computer <laughs> is glitching uh that is gonna do it for us this morning but we are back this afternoon to tell you what is trending and we will talk to y'all then bye 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 Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.